that we are once again in the middle of another wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. And to alert you to utilize the spaces within the, the church, um, ensure that you register your names, you sanitize your hands, and you observe as much as possible the six feet uh, distance between uh, individuals. There are plenty of spaces within the church, and uh, there's really no need for us to be humbled on each other in some areas. So please adhere as to prevent or to slow down the spread of the, uh, this wave, this new strain of COVID that we have. Thank you.
Mount Prayer Book, page 160 of Mount Prayer Book. I'll be reading the collect for the first Sunday after Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior. With you and the Holy Spirit lives, reigns one God in glory everlasting.
lifts the flame of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of The voice of the Lord makes the oak trees ripe. And in the temple of the Lord,
thing for the goodness of God. And for your information, there is a roster for the next three months of special items on Sunday. Thereafter, if you wish to be on the roster, uh, please let me know. Um, we invite anyone in the congregation who wants to participate in making special renditions. Um, those persons will be notified accordingly. The gradual hip, 400, um, 108, and we're singing verses 1 to 4 before the gospel and the last two verses after the gospel.
back in Normandy, he was a scholar and a writer, and finally he was the Archbishop of Canterbury, in other words, the most senior of bishops in the Anglican Church. As he was a bishop, part of his role was to teach, to guide, and so I will begin with a teaching from him. He has written a book titled, Why God Became Man, where he begins his argument speaking to why we need a savior, because we cannot save ourselves, because we cannot redeem ourselves from sin. He articulates right living as honoring God by giving to God all his due. To give God all his due is to completely align our will to his. Anything less than a standard is to steal from God the honor he is due. To not fully align our lives to God's will is to incur the debt of sin. And we have not yet considered willful acts of rebellion against God. I believe our worship services speak to this truth within the prayer for forgiveness, where we say the words, in your compassion forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. 
This sin debt is to be repaid to God. Man, however, cannot repay that debt. Today's Gospel lesson from Luke follows from the moment when John the Baptist has called peoples both to repentance for sin and to baptism. The people have been warned to bear good fruit, that is, to commit to actions considered worthy of repentance. Questions arise. Is this person, John the Baptist, the Messiah? Had I not begun this sermon with ideas expressed by Anselm of Canterbury, one could, one could have asked the question, why is there a need for a Messiah? It is true that in this moment, the people of Israel are living under occupation in their home, the Promised Land. Their occupiers are the Romans. This we know. But there is another element, another reason for the need of a Messiah. Life itself is not just physical. Life experience has another dimension, the spiritual. The other dimension is the people's estrangement from their creator. The people's sin separates them from God. Only a Messiah can reconcile this estrangement. Only a Messiah can resolve both dimensions of our bondage. Bondage in life, bondage to sin. The people have brought to their attention their need to repent, their need to start anew, their need to begin again the journey back to God. But how are they to do this? Who is to lead them? Jesus shows up on the scene at this point. Jesus is in the right place at precisely the right time, all in accordance with God's plan. We know this, beca we know this because God himself says this in his words. You are my beloved, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This voice which came down from heaven spoke these words in the presence of the people. Jesus is then and there anointed for service. In Jesus, we were given the Messiah. We are given the Messiah. Very man and very God in the same person, sorry, very man and very God in the same person is whom all can follow. Jesus, in solidarity with the people, chose the same point of entry into the world through birth. Jesus, in solidarity with the people of Israel, was circumcised and named on the eighth day. Of young Jesus, we were told that the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We are later told 
Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Jesus of Nazareth, very man, very God. We are reminded of the divinity of Jesus. Considering the words, sorry, consider the words of Isaiah from chapter 49, starting from within verse 1. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Later it is written, starting from verse 5, And now the Lord says, Who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. When I came across these words in my studies, I immediately thought of Jesus. The words of the Old Testament lessons tell us both of his divinity and his mission. Earlier within Luke's Gospel, the angels gave testimony to Jesus' divinity and mission. The very action of the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon Jesus is testimony itself. In this moment, it is like Jesus is being anointed for his mission. Within our Bible stories, who else do we see being anointed? Kings. The anointing of kings is always a public event, meaning it is witnessed. Recall now the role of a king. A king is anointed to serve the people, to protect the people, to save the people to lead the people, to lead the people to write praise in God. Right praise in God begins with prayer. The act of prayer is acknowledgement of relationship with God. At the starting point of his mission, Jesus was seen by all in prayer. Jesus, the Messiah revealed, very man, very God in the same person, chose as the starting point of his earthly mission the event of baptism. Jesus, in this moment, silently declared his solidarity with men and women alike, old and young. Jesus presented himself at the same time, sorry, at the same starting point as those willing to repent so as to lead them himself 
along the path of repentance. Jesus is, Jesus is to be the example to follow, the teacher to teach. A question asked by Anselm speaking to the role of Jesus was this. How was he to present himself to the weak? Let me read this again. How was he to present himself to weak and mortal humans as an example of the fact that they should not depart from righteousness on account of injustices, insults, pain or death, if they were not aware that he himself had experienced having had experience of all these things. Thus, Jesus had to start his earthly mission of reconciliation from the same point as everyone else. At baptism, answering the call to repent. Yet, Jesus himself, very man, very God, had no need to repent. He alone was without sin. He alone had no debt incurred due to sin. In him was the example par excellence of life in unity with the Father's will. The mission of Jesus begins with the imperative of gathering the flock to lead them back to the Father. Jesus begins with the Heavenly Father. From the Heavenly Father, he is to journey back to the Father with his people redeemed. Full circle. From the starting point of baptism, Jesus is to lead his people. But along the path will come a point where Jesus must go alone. He must because he is the Messiah. Christ is to die, Anselm tells us in his book, not out of, a, not out of an obedience consisting in the abandonment of his life, but out of an obedience consisting in his upholding of righteousness so bravely and pertinaciously that as a result he incurred death. The Son of God owed no sin debt to the Father. Through Jesus, however, the sin debt of all people is paid. Solidarity is a key theme on display within this gospel reading of Luke. But what about today? I believe the shared experience of the COVID-19 pandemic has provided many lessons. One of which is when leaders say, we are all in this together, that is not exactly true. Throughout this pandemic, we have Throughout this pandemic, some have fared better. So, let me read this again. Throughout this pandemic, some have fared better than others. Many have lost work or suffered reduced income. Some have continued as normal. Some have been touched by illness. Others, not. Back home in Canada, where I'm from, when the leaders and authorities were calling for lockdown, those of us who worked in a brewery making beer were told, not you, you continue to work. 
In the world, solidarity can mean little more than sentimentality. Nice words to be expressed to the public to make you feel nice. To make you feel as though your pain and experience is acknowledged. Not so with Jesus. With Jesus, solidarity means solidarity. From the beginning of the journey to the end of the journey. From the Father to the Father. To wrap things up, our gospel lesson today from Luke is short, but rich in meaning. The people called to repentance were, asked, were asking about a Messiah. I chose to reference a book written by Anselm of Canterbury describing sin as a debt to be repaid. Only God could pay such a debt. Only men, only humanity owed the debt. Our sin debt is paid in full by the Messiah, Jesus. Through Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. Finally, through Jesus, very man, very God, we have a true example of solidarity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.
the church are found in page 111 from T. church of God in every place, especially for this diocese, our diocesan administrator, Isaiah, and all the people of God. Strengthen your church to carry forward the work of Christ, that we and all unquestionably may unite in truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory to the world. We pray for our country and for all the nations of the world. Especially we pray for Ethiopia and Kazakhstan, where they have internal warfare at this time, and for all peoples in their various colonies. Accept these prayers, O Lord our God, for the sake of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 
remember that last week Archdeacon explained that there's a delay in the delivery of the new envelopes for 2022. So I'm being to, some persons have already begun to put their um, offering and tithes in an envelope, in a self-made envelope. So if you are um, 
so desire leads to until we able to get the new envelopes. They, they offer to him 266.
Commission of the Communion, 495, 495.
Good morning to one and all. We thank you for braving the cold weather in Gingerland to attend this service. <laughs> yes, um, a special welcome to Deacon Thomas. Can we put our hands together for Deacon Thomas? And at this time, I want to invite any visitors that we have. You may stand and so let us know who you are, if there are any. Dear being none, we continue. Here are our notices for the week of the 9th of January through to the 15th. During this week, Archdeacon Philip and Deacon Thomas and Associate Lay Ministers will be away from the parish as they attend the diocesan elective assembly 
to elect a new bishop for our diocese in Antigua from January 13th to the 16th. You are asked, therefore, to contact the Reverend Father Ralston Deason, 665-7558, or Reverend Mrs. Pachanola Hanlon-Brown, 664-3506, for all pastoral support during this period. Next Sunday, the 16th of January, is another deep service at 7 a.m., and Sunday school follows immediately. We continue to express thanks to all those who played a part in this service, as well as those who assist on a weekly basis in the preparation of the church for worship. The bulletin this month is sponsored by Arthur and Violet Morton. And Hamlin, sorry. For God's continued blessings on them as they celebrate their 56th wedding anniversary during the month of January. My apologies. Anyone wishing to sponsor the bulletin, kindly contact the parish office during hours, office hours, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., except on Wednesdays. We thank you for your tremendous support. We ask your prayers for the sick and the housebound as well as those who may be in any pain or grief. The names are listed in the bulletin. Please refer to the back, of, the back page of the bulletin as you intercede on behalf of all diocesan servants throughout the diocese. During this week, please continue to pray for the election of a new diocesan bishop. And as we saw them, let us use prayer number 16 on page 79 of our prayer book. Your prayers are asked at this time for the Venerable Isaiah Philip, the Diocesan Administrator. Readers for next Sunday, Old Testament, Lakeisha Clark, Epistle, Eldon Libon, Intercessor, German Manners. A roster of names and dates for readings of the lessons for the next six months has been posted on the notice board back and also writing. Members are kindly asked to check it for their names for upcoming readings. Once again, it's at the back and this side room. The names of persons who will partake in our service for readings and lessons. Celebrants this week, Esther Duo, can you come forward please and get your blessing? And anyone else who are celebrating this week?
um, best sin, um, bishop chosen um, at the end of the process. How it's done, um, we have representatives from the laity, that is the, 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 the laypersons and the clergy. And at each synod um, bishop election, um, you must have two-thirds of the laity and two-thirds of the bishop in order for um, two-thirds of the clergy in order for there to be um, a winner. So unless there's that two-thirds of clergy voting for a particular person and the same two-thirds of the, the, the priests um, voting, um, it would be, they'll have to go back to the polls as we say in our local clerks. So the process will go on, go until they get to that um, area. And in the event that they're unable to accomplish this, then it goes to the House of Bishops. This would be um, all of the bishops within the province of the West Indies will make the final decision in the event that um, the clergy and the lay can't come to that two-third majority vote. So that's how it's done.
Jesus Christ our Lord.